0: Church family, you'll be finding with me the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll continue our study uh, this morning in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 6, we'll begin to read in verse number 10 this morning. And for a few moments today, I want to speak to you on this subject. You're in the army now. You're in the army now. Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll begin to read this morning verse number 10. I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, begin to read in verse number 10. The Bible says these words Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of the gospel of peace above all. Take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's pray together. God, we ask that your Spirit would challenge us Speak to us now. God, I pray that this is the enemy that we've already read about. God would desire and will seek to move today to cause us to miss out on what you have for us today. God, I pray that we'll do our part now. And Father, we'll pray that you'll put a hedge of protection around this place. That God, you'll give us an attention span this morning uh, and an appetite for spiritual things. and that Father, we'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit today. For the one who's never been saved, God, they'll hear him say how lost they are, that Christ is their only hope, how desperately they need his righteousness. And God, they'll choose to turn today from their sin and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray you'll really shake every believer today from any apathy and any indifference, any, any sense of uh, casualness that we've entered into about the matter of spiritual warfare. And we'll leave this place today, God, set on fire to be faithful in what you've called us to do as it, as it relates to this matter of spiritual, personal, spiritual warfare. And God, I pray as we come to a time of imitation again, we ask each week, whatever it is you're calling us to do, might we submit today to your call on our lives that we might experience your best and your perfect will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 3 through 4, one of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture, the Apostle Paul was writing to a young pastor who was pastoring the church that we are reading about today. And Paul well knew the hardships that existed, not only in ministry, but certainly in that town. And he said to young Timothy, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might please him, who enlisted him as a soldier. And then just two chapters later, as Paul is uh, sharing his final words, and I remind you, as Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy, he could smell the burning bodies of Christians who had been impaled on stakes and set on fire to simply light the streets so that lost people could race chariots the street. That's what was happening to brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's head was about to be separated from his body. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. He was fixing to step into the presence of the Lord. But notice what he says. And He says with confidence and he says in truth in verse 7 of Second Timothy chapter 4, he says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. For the apostle Paul, there was a fight that he was engaged in every day. After Acts chapter 9, when he turned and trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of his life, Paul became a part of the Lord's army, and so he, he his, this this fight was on two fronts. One, it was for souls; he was fighting to see men and women saved. But then there was also the spiritual warfare that he was involved in every day. Uh, look at our text again in Ephesians chapter six, verse ten. He says, "Finally, he says these these are the last closing." Words And at some point we'll go through these texts at the latter part of chapter 5 and into chapter 6 as we deal with marriage, uh, our the symbolism of uh, what a husband and wife are together as Christ relates to his church and how children are to biblically relate to their parents and parents to their children, how we're to relate to those who are over us in the workplace, those in authority. And we'll look at all those at some point. Uh, most likely in discipleship on Sunday nights. But verse 10, he says, finally, he says, in closing, after all of these things that I've shared, three chapters of doctrine, and then three chapters of how to put doctrine into shoe leather. He says, finally, my brethren. The last thing that he reminds him of, and he closes his letter uh, to the Ephesian church, is reminding him that the Christian life is not lived out on a playground. The Christian life's lived out on a battlefield. And a lot of churches preach and establish ministry uh, just to try to entertain Christians as if life is just, your Christian faith is just lived out on the playground. And friend, that's not the case. Your life, whether you realize it or not every day, you may be in spiritual la-la land and you don't see it, but your life spiritually, if you've turned and trusted Christ and you've enlisted in the Lord's army, then your life is lived out on the battleground. I want to remind you that the moment you did trust Christ, You enlisted, you say, well, I never signed up for battle. Friend, when you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, you enlisted in the Lord's army. And you can say, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Remember the little song we sang when we were in Bible school? I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Well, you're in it. You're in the army now. The moment you trusted Christ, you enlisted. And you're either going to be a survivor, you're going to be a victor, or you're going to be sadly like so many in the history of the church since Christ rose from the grave and since the day of Pentecost, who have just become casualties, casualties in this spiritual warfare. And so Paul's trying to equip and to encourage the local church there at Ephesus and for us today to be responsible and to engage faithfully every day in spiritual warfare. And so to find success and to be faithful in spiritual warfare, there are, these, there are three truths we're going to see that must be reality in your life. Number one, if you're going to be success in spiritual warfare because you're in the Lord's army, number one, you must discern the danger. You must discern the danger. Friend, listen, if there's a battle, then there's an enemy. If, if there's no enemy, then there's no battle. But if there's a battle that you're going to be involved in, then there's an enemy, there's a foe that you're going to face. There's an enemy who would do you harm. And you have to understand the enemy to be able to effectively fight the enemy. And the enemy that we have is the devil. Uh, And so first off, in order to discern the danger, you have to identify. You have to identify who the enemy is. Look at verse 11 of our text. The Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so Paul identifies. That word wiles means the schemes. You've got an enemy that's scheming. Against you. And we're going to look more further at, at, at what he seeks to do, what his intention is. But you have to identify first. That's, that's who the enemy is. In Matthew chapter 16 and in verse number 23, Peter is, again, full of himself. He had foot and mouth disease. The cross is before Christ. And Jesus is trying to share with his disciples, look, I'm going to die. And then I'm going to rise again. But the cross is why God sent me here. And so Peter, full of himself, says, you know, Lord, far be it from you. This, this is not going to happen to you. As if Peter had the power to be able to stop Jesus from doing anything. And so Peter, don't miss this, Peter is tempting Jesus in the flesh. And Christ's response, verse number 23 of Matthew chapter 16, then, then he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He did say, Peter, get behind me. He realized that the real enemy that was working through Peter was Satan. And so he named the enemy. He had to identify who it was that was against him. Look at verse number 12 of Ephesians 6. For the Bible says, For we will not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. A lot of times people say, well, you know, such and such is really trying my patience. Or this, this person, you know, is just there's such a hardship on my life spiritually. They just tempt me to sin. Friend, listen, it's not the person. It's the devil working through that person. And you're never going to be effective in spiritual warfare until you identify, first off, who the enemy really is. And it's Satan and all of his emissaries, those who work, all the demons who work on his behalf, and those that he would work through. So you have to identify as you discern the danger who your real enemy is. And then secondly, as you discern the danger, you, you have to you have to discern what Satan's intentions are, what it is that the enemy intends to do. Look at verse number 11 in our text. says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles literally translates means schemes. He is prepared. He has a plan, and it is to do you Harm. John 10:10. The thief comes, but to what? Three things. Say him again. That's what he wants: to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Nothing positive in that. It's all negative. He wants to steal your joy, steal your faith. Now, listen. He can't steal your soul if you've been saved, everlasting life. But he can steal your influence. He can steal your joy. He can kill your effectiveness. He can destroy what it is that God desires to do through your life if you respond to spiritual hardship in the wrong way. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter describes him as a line moving about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you spiritually. Because spiritually, if you're sidelined, then you can't be effective for the Holy Spirit to work through for the purpose of reaching, teaching, and encouraging. So that is his intent for you. And then third, if you're going to discern the danger, you have to understand the enemy's intelligence. Uh, You you have to understand what what he can and and what he can't do and and what it is that he seeks to do against you. Remember Luke chapter 4, Jesus has been tempted for 40 days. He's very weak uh, physically. He hasn't eaten. uh, So he is worn down and he is frazzled. And so that's when Satan hits him. He knows when Christ is vulnerable in the flesh, and that's when he began to tempt him. Now, friend, I want to remind you, John chapter 13, verse 16, and in John chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus said, A servant is not greater than his master. And if Satan could see and see when Jesus was physically weak... Now, friend, listen to me. Spiritually, Jesus was never but fresh as a daisy, for he was all God. Never was a time that he was spiritually weak. He was fresh as fresh could be. But yet in his humanity, he was worn down. If there was a time for Satan, strategically, to try to tempt Jesus to sin, if there would be any time, it would be when he was physically weak. And he recognized that. He knew that. He knew when to hit him. Jesus said, the servant's not greater than his master. I want you to listen to me. You have an enemy that knows when to come and strike you. They know, he knows when you're at your weakness, and he knows where your weaknesses is, where someone else's may not be. He knows where you're stronger than someone else, and he knows when you're, where you're weaker than someone else. And so if Satan tempted Jesus, he knows where and he knows when to attack you. And you need to recognize that. You need to understand his intelligence. And then also, if you're going to be effective in discerning the danger and knowing the enemy, you have to understand his intensity. His intensity. We, we've identified him. We know his intentions. We know his intelligence, what he knows about us. If I want to remind you, he knows more about you than you do. Because, see, pride will cover up and say, well, I can't be tempted there. He knows whether you can or not. He knows whether you can or not. But we also he, he has an intensity. He has a power. He start, remember in Luke chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, there, there was a, a man who had been possessed by a demon, and the power that that demon had over him the bible says that there were people that tried to help the man to keep the demon from hurting him and they they bound him with chains and shackles and the bible says that that demon broke the bonds and was driven into the and, and was driven by the demon into the wilderness this man of gadara so so these demons had power over this man who didn't want the demon in his life anymore, but he didn't understand how he could be free through Jesus Christ. Satan has power. Acts chapter 19 verses 14 through 16. There was a man who was possessed by a demon and there were seven sons of a man by the name of Skeven. They thought they could do what Paul was doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they came and tried to exercise this demon, the Bible says, out of this man. And you'll remember the demon looked at the man and says, now look, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you boys? And that one man leaped, friend, on those symbols, and he absolutely wore them out. And they ran out of the house, beat to death, and half naked, friend. That was the power that Satan had over all of their lives. And so you need to understand, friend, that greater is he, thank God, First John 4, 4, greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. But don't you to understand, friend, greater is he that's within the world than you. Then you you're not stronger than the devil you're not smarter than the devil you're not more powerful than the devil only through jesus christ can you have victory over satan and if you ever come to a place that you think you know well i've got this there's nothing satan can do to me in my own strength friend he's already got you you fool he already has you let him that stand take heed lest he fall. So you need to understand the intensity. Thank God his power is limited, but it's greater than any power you possess in and of yourself. The only hope you have to defeat Satan is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through God in Him alone. So you need to discern the danger if you're going to be effective in spiritual warfare, and that's what Paul's trying to share with the church at Ephesus. But secondly, if you're going to find success, not only do you need to discern the danger, but you need to deploy your defense. Deploy your defense. And I want to say again, listen to me. If you've never enlisted in the Lord's army, you're, you're flapping in the wind like a bedsheet. sheet. You, you are toast. You're like the baby gazelle out there on the Sahara that the lines get hemmed up. You know, it's, listen, that's when you're watching those National Griffith shows, you know it's like, well, it's over for him. I mean, it's over. He's not going to stand up and whip those other lines. He is a gazelle sandwich. It's, it's over. And if you've never been saved, don't you listen to me. You can never stand against Satan. It's only when you enlist in the Lord's army by turning from sin and trusting Christ to be Lord of your life that you're able now to have this defense that Paul's going to share and remind the church of Ephesus that they have in Jesus Christ. And literally, that's what it is. It's Christ living in their life. Every part of the armor is Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. He says in the Lord. Not in the the power of positive thinking. Not in in the thought of a better day. Not be strong in what government can do for you. But be strong in the Lord. Uh, Verse number 10 says "In, in, in His power. Finally, my brethren, be strong, Lord, in in his power and in his might. It's through him alone that we find our strength. And then he begins to share an armament that we have that's our defense. Look what the Bible says in verse number 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Not part, but the whole. And look what the Bible says in verse number 13. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so he's sharing with them from the very beginning what many trainers have done in all the different branches of the military to try to, you know, you get these young privates in and they're just sitting around like some of you do on Sunday morning. They're just looking around and there's a threat that's out there and they're trying to get them ready and trained for that and they're just thinking about mom and at home and how much they miss their girlfriend, and how tired they are. and they're, they're consumed with all these affairs of life. It's what Paul had warned Timothy to worry about. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. and You might please him who chosen you to be a soldier. And they're trying, to give, they're trying to train them with truth so they're going to be able to effectively stand and fight. And, and they're trying to tell them you're going to need all of these things because if you leave off one part, you're vulnerable. You see, and God has given us a spiritual armament to cover every angle that Satan might have influence and an in-route into our life. And Paul's reminding him: if you leave off any part of this armament, you've left a door open for the enemy. Can I ask you a question this morning? What good does it do you... Let's say you have four doors, okay, that are entryways into your house. What good does it do you to lock three of those doors but leave one of those doors open? He said, well, hopefully the thief will come to one of those. Well, hopefully, but if he comes to the one that's opened, you're out of luck. The wise thing to do is to make sure every door is locked before you go to bed. And Paul's trying to remind them the wise thing that a Christian can do if they're going to be engaged successfully in spiritual warfare is to make sure that they have the entire armor of God on. So he begins to name these six parts. And so we've got to go through these very quickly. The first thing he mentions is the belt of truth. Look what the Bible says in verse number 14. It says, "...stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth." John 8, 44, friend, the Bible says, Jesus says that the devil is a liar. Anything that the devil seeks to tell you, you can't trust it. It is an absolute lie. But John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I can give you truth spiritually that will set you free from sin's possession over your life, from sin's penalty. He says, but then once you trust me, you're going to continue to grow in truth. You're going to continue to grow as a disciple. Matthew 28, teaching them all things to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. As you continue to learn God's word, you are equipped. Listen, you have a belt of truth that girds up your life, and if Satan seeks to tempt you, well, how would he do that? Well, let's look back in Genesis chapter 3. God had told Adam and Eve, all of this is yours, but there's a tree in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat off. For the day thou eatest of off, thou shalt surely die. That was the penalty. And Satan came into the garden and began to talk with him. and said, now, did God really say that? Has God really said, you shall not eat of this? God didn't say that, Eve. God just knows in the day that you eat of it, you're going to be just like him. So he lied to her. God had equipped Adam and Eve with truth. But Eve wasn't girded up in that. And Adam surely wasn't, because after Eve took and ate, Adam willingly took and ate. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. Satan's going to whisper lies. Now, you know, you'd be happier, you know, if you had this woman at work, not your wife. And, and, and dear lady, you're, you know, your, your husband really doesn't appreciate it. You'd be more appreciated if you had this guy. And what God's provided for you financially, it's not enough. You really, you just, nobody's going to miss it. Just steal this. It really won't be missing that much. And you don't need to read your Bible. That's just legalism by your old fuddy-duddy pastor that he says all the time. You don't, you need, what you need is some more sleep. That's going to make you feel better. He's going to give you lots. And you've got to combat those lies with truth. That must be the belt. Jesus said, John 17, 17, God sanctified the church, set them apart for usefulness with what? Truth. Your word is truth. You have to know God's word, stow God's word, show God's word, and then, friend, I promise you, if you're busy sowing God's word, you'll never have time to mess with the devil. If you are faithfully seeking to fish for men and women... You won't have time to deal with the devil, friend, because you're going to be doing what God has called you to do. Know, stow, show, and so. So we fight his lies with truth. And then the second piece of that armament is found in verse number 14. It's the breastplate of righteousness. So we're putting the armor on together just like a soldier standing. He's got his uniform on. He's got his load-carrying equipment. All of the armament he's got on, he's ready to march faithfully into battle, well, so you. The first thing you put on is the belt of truth. Secondly, you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Look, at the Bible says in verse number fourteen: Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is moral purity, between before God and man. It's moral purity. Now, listen. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ, Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty-one, Romans chapter four verse eleven. The righteousness of Christ was imputed to your life. I've used this illustration so many times. I shared it several weeks ago. When, when the school calls and they say, you know, hey, I'll get this little message. Emma Nick's uh, lunchroom uh, account, it's overdrawn. You know, they, they, well, we've just forgotten. We've neglected. Well, I don't go to the kids and say, hey, look, you need to write a check and put some money in your lunch account so you can eat lunch. They don't, they don't have money to do that. So we do what they can't do for themselves. We write a check, and literally, funds are imputed to their account so that they can eat lunch, and the Hamilton County school system is reimbursed for the food that they're eating. Listen, friend, you and I stood sinful in front of a holy God for all of sin. And God did something for it through the precious blood that we sang about this one because the wages of sin is death. And Christ died the death that we should have died. He died. He rose from the grave. And when we in faithfulness turn from sin and by faith trust Christ to be Lord of our life, friend, he does for us what we can't ever do for ourselves. He imputes the righteousness of his son us to our lives, so that when God sees us, he doesn't see a big fat zero, he sees the fullness of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And one encouragement that is, you may not have something for him, but I'm telling you, there's times in my life where Satan tempts me to look back on past failures, and I've got that little cringe, I'm like, oh, why did I say that years ago? Why did I do that? God, if I could only go back, I can't go back. But friend, I'm so thankful that the precious Holy Spirit reminds me, says, God says, friend, I don't see that anymore. All I see is the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. And so if you're going to be faithful every day to stand against the attacks of Satan, you have to have, first off, friend, that positional righteousness righteousness that's been imputed to your lives. But listen to what the author of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 20. He says, I traverse the way of righteousness. What's he speaking of? He says, every day I walk in the paths of righteousness. He said, I seek to live. I have a breastplate on which guards me against Satan's going to try to lead me in directions that are unrighteous. He said, by purpose in my heart, not only am I positionally righteous in Jesus Christ, but I'm going to live in practical righteousness. I'm going to do those things that God says I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to abstain from those things that God says I'm supposed to. To abstain for, a text that we've already looked at, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 27. Paul says to the church of Ephesus, don't give place to the devil. See, you, you, you've got this breastplate on to help protect your heart. And so the Bible says, don't give the devil a place to live within your heart. Uh, from time to time, you know, we'll see birds will try to grow out on the porch. And I know they're cute and they're fuzzy, but friend, listen what they leave down below the nest is not cute or pleasant. And so we don't want that. We don't want you stepping in all of that and then coming into church. And so what we have to do, friend, is we've got to be kind, let the birds develop and fly away. But then we try to make that area to where it's not, not attractive for a bird to build a nest there. We try to make it in such a way that they can't have a place there anymore. And what you've got to do every day, my friend, positionally is you've got to be reminded and give God thanks that you've trusted Christ to be Lord of your life and that the righteousness of Christ is imputed your life. But practically, you've got to make sure you're walking in the paths of righteousness and you don't give the devil a place to build a bad habit or a sinful characteristic within your life. And so that's the second part of the armament is the breastplate of righteousness. Then the third thing you've got to make sure that's a part of your life is that your feet are shod with peace. Look at verse number 15. He says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers had shoes that were like cleats. Uh, they had little nails in them. They could be difficult on full uh, rocky grounds on cobblestone, but they didn't fight on cobblestone. They fought on fields of battle. And so this helps soldiers to be sure-footed. And if you're going to be able to stand and to be sure footed in the fight that you have with the devil, your your life must be grounded in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, Paul says, Christ himself, he said, he's our peace. It's him who has made both one, who has broken down the middle wall of partition. That means, daily friend, I'm to stand in the peace that only God can give. God is, through Christ, I have peace with God now, because Prior to salvation, I was at war with God because of my sin. But now I'm to stand in that peace that only Jesus Christ can give peace with God and the peace of God. And I see this in ministry. I want you to listen to me this morning. You may have had hardship that's come forward in your life, and it stopped you from moving forward in faithfulness. You've just stopped. You've just quit. And I, don't, I don't know what the hardship is, and I don't know what your heartbreak is, but friend, I'm telling you, God's... Plan for every believer is every day to keep moving forward in faithfulness with him. You're not to sit down and just to wait till Jesus comes back. You're wasting days of service. You're wasting days that you can live for the Lord. And what keeps you moving forward is is, is the peace of God that your feet are are clothed. Listen, where there is a presence of peace, look at me, listen. There's an absence of anxiety. And seeing Satan will cause us a day in which it may be your health, it may be your finances, it may be what's going on in our country, in in, in areas of government and politics. If you're you're not standing in the peace of God, listen, that God's got this. God's on His throne. And there's nothing that comes before God or enters into this world, friend, that, that God was surprised by or knows about. And therefore, friend, there's nothing that comes into my life that ever surprises God. Things happen sometimes that I didn't see coming. friend. God's never "Well, I didn't see that coming. Where'd that come for? I didn't know that was going to happen. God's never, have you ever thought about it? There's, there's never, nothing that's ever occurred to God. Well, think about that. I God's <laughs> like, why well, I never thought about that before. No, God knows all things. And so when I rest in that truth, friend, my, I'm not going to be spiritually just biting my fingernails into the quick all the time. I'm not going to be an absolute wreck. Why? Because I am standing every day sure-footed in the power of the peace of God. That God's in control. That He, he has it. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verses, verses 6 through 7. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. You say, well, you don't understand. Friend, all I can tell you is the Word of God says, for Nothing. And I'm just telling you, you know, over in Western North Carolina, I learned at an early age, nothing means nothing. Zilch, nada, nothing. So the Bible says there's no excuse. Be anxious. Be anxious over nothing. Be anxious over absolutely nothing. And, and let your let your let your but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. The peace of God that Paul's talking about, the word of standing, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And So every day you've got to make sure your feet are shod in peace. And then fourth, you have to take the shield of faith. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 16. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now the shields that Roman soldiers carried were wooden, but then they were covered in leather. And they were able to withstand sometimes these these tar-dip darts, arrows that the enemy would shoot at them. The opposite of faith is doubt. And so the devil can lead you to a place that you begin to doubt the goodness of God. We saw that in connection class this morning. Even though the widow had seen the faithfulness of God in meeting her needs physically and providing for her substance, when her son died, she began to doubt. To doubt the goodness of God. In her life. And so Satan will try to sow seeds of doubt within your life to get past that shield. And when you begin to doubt, then you begin to question truth. You begin to question the the, 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 the truth that is girding up your life, that holds all the armament together. And so faith in the living and the written word of God, friends, Satan will seek to attack when hardship comes. Well, God just doesn't love you. Or if God's really God of goodness, then why would this be happening? And Jesus said he was going to come back, but he hasn't come back yet. And he said he'd meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, but he hadn't met your needs yet. And you begin to question all that. And what you fail to see is, friend, that God's timeline is not all, our timeline is not always God's timeline. And that God's will, friend, isn't always our will but as a growing disciple of Christ, listen, who has forsaken all and taken up our cross daily to follow after Jesus Christ. We know, friend, that God does all things well and there's nothing bad He'll ever let come into our lives that He won't work out for good somehow, for our good and for His glory. And that takes faith. It takes faith. And that's difficult, friend, when it's painful and it hurts. But when we're constantly moving forward with the shield of faith, We have trust in God. We have confidence in Him and in His Word. And then we can stand even like afflicted Job in Job 13.15 and say, though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. I'll have faith in Him. I'm going to keep trusting. Even though my, my children are dead, my wife's driving me nuts, I'm afflicted physically, all my friends have turned against me, God, I'll still trust in You. I can't see, but God, I can hear your voice, and I'll keep trusting in you. That's faith. Satan would cause us to cave and quit moving forward. He says, and then fifth, we have to take up the helmet of salvation. Look at verse number 16. And above all, take the shield of faith, which you shall be able to stand against the fiery darts of the wicked one, verse 17, and then take the helmet of salvation. A helmet protects the head. It protects the mind. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks, so is he. And if you begin to think in a way, friend, that's unbiblical, that's who you're going to become. If you begin to see hardships and challenges and difficulties, or if you begin to see this world in a way that's unbiblical, that's who you're going to become. That's why the word someone, I is to be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And so it's, it's, it's the helmet of salvation that, that is our mind. Our mind is clothed with the Word of God and guided by the Word of God. And it's through that personal relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. We, we looked at this, uh, these, these texts on Wednesday night. How Absalom needed this. He wouldn't have ended up where he did. The, the author of Proverbs writes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. That's His Word. And he, he, His Word will direct your paths. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. You see, when you don't have the helmet of salvation on, then Satan's going to whisper into your ear, we know it's okay to do this. Eve, you just eat of the tree, Eve. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, God, no, God didn't say well, No, God said, serpent, no, He didn't. You're gonna be fine. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good because it appeals to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of eye. Do it. You're gonna be happier. And she yielded, and sin came. But when you've got the helmet of salvation on, friend, and you're grounded in God's word, you're not gonna make decisions in life or see life based on your own thoughts. You're gonna lean not on your understanding but on the word of God, and God's word will direct your path and will. Guides you, and that's why Paul would write in Romans chapter twelve and in verse number two it says that our our minds are to be washed every day by the Word. Do not be conformed by the world, but be be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How can my mind be renewed every day while I'm constantly listening to lies of Satan that he speaks through into my ears through media? Through television, through commercials, through maybe co workers, neighbors, just, just the direction of the world altogether, by daily going to the Word of God and washing my mind in God's precious truth, His holy Word. You've got to do it. That's how you cleanse your mind and you keep the helmet of salvation on. And then, six, the last part of our armament is the sword of the Spirit. Look. At verse number 17, it says, Take the helm of the salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Luke chapter 4, when Satan tempted Jesus those three times, what? Je- listen to me, what Jesus used to rebuke the lying temptations that Satan was putting before him was not what Grandma said, not, well, I think, It wasn't, well, I read this book by this Bible teacher, and this is what they said. He continued to say, it is written. He continued to say, the the Word of God says. What he used to combat the lies of the devil with was the Word of God. And friends, if you're going to be successful in, in defense of all the lies that Satan's going to throw against you as you've got those other five parts of the armor on, listen to me, from tip to tang. You're going to have to use the entire sword. I mean, no, no wise soldier goes into battle and says, you know, I'm just going to use the end of the sword today and fight. He's know going to poke himself in the eye or cut him on himself. No, friend, he holds it at the tang. He's got the handguard. He uses the entire sword. And so if you're going to be successful, friend, you've got to use the entire counsel of God's Word. Not just the parts that are palatable. You've got to use all of it. And that you use it, friend, it's going to change and transform your life. And so Paul is very clear. Again, look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. And as your pastor, I stand here before you, and I say this. I want you to look at me. If you forget one part of the armor of God as you begin your day, you're going to be a casualty at some point. It's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of when. It's only a matter of When? because you've just made yourself vulnerable to an enemy whose intent is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It takes discipline. You must deploy your defense. And then number three, you have to do your duty. You have to do your duty. God's going to do his part, but, friend, you've got to do your part. Look what the Bible says in verse number 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day and having done all... To stand—that's a question I have you know every day. God, have I done? Or when there's when there is, sadly, a casualty, I become a spiritual casualty. I've asked myself, God, did I do all? God, where was there neglect? Where can I learn from this? If you're going to be successful, you have to do your all. It has to be a purpose in your life that you want to stand, that you truly do want to have victory and not fail. Number four, Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist. Stand. friend. That's the desire not to fall. It, listen, if I continue to stand here, listen to me, if I continue to stand here, it means that I'm purposing not to sit down, to lay down, or to fall down. I mean, I could go sit, I guess, in one of these chairs and preach if I wanted to. You may only let me do it for one week. I mean, that's the trendy thing now is to sit on a stool with, I'm not getting off on that. But anyway, I guess I could sit. But I'm purposing to stand. And the reason I'm going to continue to stand is because that's what I'm purposing to do. If you're going to stand against the devil, friend, you're only going to do it because that's what through discipline and desire you want to do. You don't want to become a casualty. There's nothing that Satan can do to you that you don't allow him to do. Someone says, well, the devil stole my joy. Well, guess why? You let him. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I'm not stronger than Satan, but friend, I'm so happy. He's not stronger than Jesus that lives in me. He's not stronger. There's nothing that Satan can do to me that I don't allow him to do. And so you've got to do your duty. You've got to purpose to stand and then to rely, verse 13, on God's power. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand and in that day, having done all to stand. And it's it's in His power. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so not only friend does that declare that my faith in what Christ can do, but don't miss this, it declares my dependence upon Him. If I'm dependent, listen, I'm dependent I'm dependent on EPB to send power to my house every month. You know, we don't have the kids out there running on a wheel like a hamster. Making energy in the backyard. We're dependent upon them to do that. And I I demonstrate my dependence and that I write a check to them every month to keep it coming. Well, friend, I demonstrate my dependence on Christ by doing these things that He's called me to do. I keep bringing myself before Him saying, Lord, I'm dependent. I can't make it without You. I'm so dependent upon You to stand against the devil. And then in that, verse 18, I'm going to pray always. Not just when the devil's at my doorstep, friend, but at all times. A wise soldier is always scanning. He never has his defense down. He knows you're always one ambush away from a fight. You're constantly looking to, to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That goes back to Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Spirit. We're dependent upon the Lord. So I'm praying, I'm demonstrating. God, help me to be sensitive. God, open my eyes. As I go to work, as I hear these things, God, as I go to the grocery store, as I'm surrounded by all these things, God, as I go to the doctor's office, wherever it is, God, as I go out throughout the day, God, help me to be sensitive. Help me to be keen. Help me to be tuned in to all that Satan's going to try to do to me that I might be able to to stand, to be filled with the Spirit. Verse number 18, look what the Bible says, to be watchful. Not just walking along through life, but every second being watchful. Why? Because we have an enemy who desires to steal, to kill, and and destroy. So that brings us to a place to ask this, friend. Are you daily discerning the spiritual danger that's against you? Daily discerning. I want you to listen to me. If reading God's Word at the beginning of the day is not a priority in your life, then you do not discern the danger. You don't discern the danger. If you don't lock your doors every night, friend, then you don't discern the danger that our world is turned into. It is not 1929 anymore. You can't leave your doors open. You know, maybe God's just blessed your ignorance with His grace, but it's not the day we're living in. It's not the day. And so, if you can begin your day, he like, well, I, don't, I just don't read my Word. I don't read God's Word every day. Then you, you're in, you're, you are in la-la land. You don't really see that there's a devil friend who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to hurt you. He wants to hurt your family. He wants to hurt all those that you have influence over. So you, you, you have to daily discern this danger. Are you deploying your defense? I ask that right before God this morning. God, is there any part of your armor that I'm not clothed with today? That I've just left laying on the ground at home? Is there any part? Can you, like Paul, truly say, I've done my duty? I've I'm fighting a good fight. Now, I ask this listen, have you enlisted in the Lord's army? Friend, I want you know, Butch sang about heaven, Peggy sang a great truth. One of these days, friend, it's, it's, I was talking to him the other day, it's one of those. Yeah, boy, songs. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You can hear that song about heavenly sunrise and you can say, Yeah, boy. Well, he said, Jesus is coming. It's, it may be bad, but Jesus is coming again. Don't be he- if you haven't listed in the Lord's army, you're going to stay right here. And the Bible says, Forever hell will be your home. But you don't have to go that way. And friend, you can have the power of God released. In your life, if today, it's the simple faith you'll choose to turn from sin and self and by faith trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. And he'll enlist you in his army. He'll put the Holy Spirit in your heart. Friend, you're going to have that armament at your disposal now, and you're going to be able to stand against the enemy and live a life of joy and spiritual effectiveness, and he'll do it in spite of you. If you've never done that, I invite you to do it today. You'll sure be glad. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You say, that's me. I've never been saved. Won't you now turn from your sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life? Tell him so right now where you sit. Pray just like this. Dear God, forgive me a sinner. I acknowledge my sin. Forgive me of it. I believe Jesus died in my place. And today I trust him to be Lord of my life. I believe he rose from the grave. God, I want you to build in me a new life. Just like Jesus rose from the grave, I want to rise from the grave now. I've died to sin and self. I want you to make me into the person you want me to be. I thank you for saving me. And help me to be the person, build me into the person you want me to be. If you prayed that prayer, you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. I'm going to stand here at the front in just a moment. I want to invite you to make your way down to the front, and I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Be honest before God, child of God. How are you doing in the fight? How are you doing in the fight? Are those six parts of the armament God's given us, are they effectively being used in your life every single day? Are you putting on daily the whole armor of God? Are you depending on it? Are you purposing every day to be watchful, to be engaged, or are you just drifting along with so many, just bouncing from one defeat to the next defeat? Stop today and ask the Lord to let you have a new beginning. Let this be a fresh commitment, friend, to leave this place and not disperse, but to deploy own mission with God and to get in the fight, not only for the cause of Christ and souls, but for your spiritual well-being. Father, speak to us, challenge us. You know where every need is, God. Father, is countless down through years, countless years, countless times, generals and commanding officers have walked by their soldiers and done inspections. They've looked their troops up from head to toe. Father, I pray now your precious Holy Spirit would examine us from head to toe. And Father, will you see us as soldiers of Christ lacking today? Father, we pray your tender spirit would speak to us, convict us. And Father, I pray we'll fix those things with the power of your help that we might be good soldiers that honor you in all things. That's our prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's really stand to our feet.